Good evening, LCM. Good evening. Tonight is Thursday, and we want to welcome you to the month of December. Can you guys believe that? The last month of this year, December 1st. Now, we are less than a month away from our New Year's celebration and the year 2023. You guys excited for that? Now, before we arrive at New Year's, before, we've got quite a month ahead of us. We still have church activities like paint night and the cantata. The cantata. I, cantata. I, can't, uh, I can't play any musical instruments, but I sure can raise my hands and clap to a beat. <laughs> we also have discipleship training to finish out, home groups, fellowship nights all around this beautiful community. Yeah. We also have... Next week, actually next weekend, a wedding. Woo! Nine days, baby. Nine days. In addition, we have international trips to India and beyond. We also have meetings here corporately together on Sundays and Thursdays. Church, how important is it in this month of December to actually be hearing from the Lord regarding your day-to-day -day activities? It's very important. How important is it to have direction from King Jesus, our King, regarding his will for you every evening of the night for this month. Yeah. See, the problem is, the problem is usually, you, the problem is usually not that you don't want to run around and make things happen. Especially this month. Yeah. Especially the month of December. We yeah. want to run around and we want to make stuff happen. Yeah. The problem actually is usually that we find ourselves falling into error by filling our days with important things that could be filled under the category of God's will. But they usually don't really, they're, they're usually not directed by him at all. Now, as you guys are thinking and contemplating what Abimbola just said, wasn't the message that we received from Sunday such an on-point word I mean, didn't it hit the timing perfectly for us as we blaze into this month of December? Yeah. I mean, it couldn't have been any more perfect. In every season and cycle, you and secretly every other person on the planet that desires to serve the Lord, you might have to embrace this nothingness that we've been talking about that comes from your own inability. But more likely for you, more likely for all of us in this room tonight, you will have to embrace the nothingness that comes from looking at the huge pile of deeds that you have and realizing that they're amounting to nothing. But when you begin to realize these things in your life, it's an opportunity to trust in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God that that power is at work in us more and more and more each and every day. In one season, you have to die to the inactivity and inability that has produced nothingness. But more prevalent and applicable to this group is what we said. The many, many seasons that we will have to die to all the activities that we dedicated to. Somebody say dedicated. dedicated. That we dedicated to the Lord, but we're not actually directed. Somebody say directed. directed. Not actually directed by him. Your maturity in the faith actually comes when you can identify the activities in your life that were dedicated to the Lord and be transparent enough to expose that they were indeed rubbish. They were that fertilizer that we talked about. They were not actually directed by him. 
Do you guys remember on Sunday, we were given a charge to identify a few things, the rubbish, the fertilizer, if you will. Were you guys able to take some time between Sunday and now to identify those areas and those activities? I I know we were. Yeah. I got more than a few. Yeah, me too. See, we need to be able to do these things because in order to be mature, you must be able to identify the dedicated activities in your life, call them what they really are, rubbish, fertilizer, and start seeking the Lord for his actual will for your life and also your time. Now, let's take a gander. Take a gander with us as we look at passages that reflect on this Sunday. And the passage we're getting ready to read really puts a finger on the heart issue for us. And as we prayed and comp- contemplated this, with our, as we prayed and contemplated this, we're looking at the differences, the, the, the opposite of what it means to dedicate our activities versus being spirit-led and directed acti- activities from the Lord. So we're going to go to a passage right now that we personally have been chewing on since Sunday. We personally have been impacted by as we're looking at what we've dedicated to the Lord, but was not actually directed from above, right? You guys turn with us to Proverbs chapter 20. When you get to Proverbs 20, we're going to land on the 25th verse together. And I'm going to start reading in the ESV for us tonight. Man... If you haven't read this verse in the ESV yet, you might be surprised. It is a snare to say rashly, it is holy, and to reflect only after making vows. A snare, a snare, the word of God says, to rashly say, look at something and say, man, that's holy unto God. That's dedicated to the Lord. How many times have I myself rashly declared in a moment, what I am doing is holy, What I am doing is good. My activities are holy unto God. More than I can possibly count. There's a lot of fertilizer in my own life regarding, let's take my children as an example. The truth is, I want certain things for my children. I want my children to be cultured. I want them to be able to know what's going on in the world around them, but more than that, to be cultured with different countries, different cultures, different experiences. I want that for them. I also want them to be knowledgeable, and I want them to have a great many experiences as they're growing up. I want them to know what it's like to shoot a basketball. Yeah, that might be silly, but I I don't want them to look like a retard when they get on the basketball court. You, can you guys feel me on that? Yeah. I want them to be, to be able to know what it means to play an organized sport of some sort with other men. I want them to have the experience around the city that they live in and learn to be excited to go out and explore. Who feels me on that one? Yeah. Go out I and do. find something. Maybe for you guys tonight, it looks like wanting your children to experience the thrill of a stadium or maybe the thrill of going to a concert with you. Or maybe the satisfaction of a successful nail appointment. Come on, ladies. Take your daughter to that nail appointment and you walk out. Man, that was a success. Look at these. And you could actually highlight a thousand different activities. For me, the activities that I mentioned are things that have definitely been dedicated to the Lord over the course of my weeks and years. But I'm finding out that they have not actually been directed by God. 
So shouldn't I be trusting that as I move away from these dedicated activities to those activities that were actually directed by him, that along the way, my children will be benefited by first and foremost, slowing the heck down in their life, taking the time to sit down with them, with Sam together, in the nothingness, seek the Lord's will, and figure out what he wants from us for that day and moving in that direction together. That experience that I get to have with my children, slowing down and seeking the face of God, that is something that they absolutely need in their lives. They need to see mom and dad sit down and seek God's face for their day. And even if mom and dad get it wrong, don't you think that they would still be benefited from that experience? Yeah. They can look and see, ooh, daddy didn't get that one right, I don't think. Man, this, this day turned out kind of weird. But they got to sit down and seek God's face with us, and they are going through the process with us and learning from our mistakes along the way. Church, we need to stop with our own self-direction and actually get a word that we can hear and confidently take our stand on. See, we've got to know that what we are spending God's time on is actually born of him and not from us, not being generated from our self-dedication. For me, what this fertilizer looks like in my life is when I am trying with my own strength to dedicate and to cultivate my personal devotion to the Lord. It shows up in a variety of ways, but the one way that the Lord showed me this past Sunday is whenever I see my brothers in need, but then I opt out to find a reason not to be available, masking it under the guise of wanting to be close to the Lord, wa wanting to draw near to him, spend time with my father. When in actuality, what I'm really doing is putting my priorities before theirs. This is no different than the priest and the Levite from Luke chapter 10 that Jesus was speaking about. Those men who walked past the men who had, been, who had been beaten and left for dead. See, they put their priorities and dedicated activities as number one in their life instead of the spirit-led direction that comes from the Father that's needed in that moment. This is what the Lord was showing me. See, my priorities, my dedication, my good efforts before the Lord... They always amount to nothing. But the spirit-led and directed activities from my good father always produces life and life for others, just like the good Samaritan. You know, that leads us into some two great truths that we have for you tonight. Two great truths. The first one, nothing that you, can, that you do can actually become something unless it has actually been directed by the king of kings. Amen. That's the first truth. The second great truth that we have for you tonight is that God never creates something unless it is born out of nothing. We would like to hone in on that second great truth with you tonight. Here's why. Since we've been working to identify what we dedicated to the Lord that wasn't actually directed by the Lord, and since we've been working to get those empty activities out of our lives and since we've been working to seek his face for what his will is, that we might actually be directed by him, you've got to know that the direction that he speaks into your life is not going to be able to be accomplished in your own power or in your own abilities. Because that's just not how our God works. 
This truth is so paramount to the life of a believer that God destined for his word to put it on display from the very first words of the first book of Genesis. Abimbola, let's go to Genesis 1-1 together. Let's go to Genesis 1-1. So we're going to put Genesis 1 and we're going to read 1 through 3 in the ESV. You guys are turning there, say there. All right, look at what it says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. Man, is everybody familiar with Genesis 1-1? Have you read this before? I know I have. The earth was without form, void. You ever thought about this being the opening scene of our introduction to the world as we know it? It's almost like the, the intro music for Yahweh God as he begins his creative work. I was thinking about a boxer. When those guys come out to fight their opponent, they want the most epic music because they need it. Man, I got to get myself pumped up to get into the ring. Not the Lord. You know what the Lord takes? Without form means is tohu. That's Greek number 8414. I'll take some confusion. I'll take tohu vavohu. I'll take empty, waste. Things that, that God does not need help being, to sign and do creative work. He said, I'll take these things in this, in this moment. Doesn't that sound like nothingness? Tohu vavohu. Confusion, empty, waste, void. Maybe even fertilizer, like the men of God spoke to us on Sunday from Philippians 3. So let me get this straight up, Mbola. The very beginning of our Bible yeah. that God gave to us, from the very beginning, from literally chapter 1, verse 1, yeah. God chooses to work with darkness, and he chooses to work with nothingness, and he chooses to speak into that specifically for his own creative work. Absolutely. And he won't work with anything else but that, right? Yes. Ooh. So... You could call what you see in Genesis chapter 1 the signature of God on a creative work. What he is doing in this moment, what he is doing when he speaks into the tohu vohu, the confusion, the emptiness, the waste, and he causes something to come out of nothing, that, when that happens, that is like God signing his work. Amen. That is like God creating something and saying, this was only done by my hand. Nobody gets to contribute to it except for me. Nobody else gets the credit for it. Only I could do and get the credit for a work like this. When you have seemingly impossible tasks in front of you, when you are burdened beyond your strength, when there is literally nothing that you can do about it, and his transformation power enters into that situation, Ooh, this makes you rely on the resurrection power of God and not yourself. He puts you in a position where you don't have a choice, and he trains you how to ask for the impossible situations in your life, even to crave those impossible situations, because that's the only way that he gets to sign his name to those situations. In fact, the title of tonight's message is Signed in the Dark. Signed in the Dark. This is because God always signs his name to the miraculous that he causes to come right out of that dark nothingness that we so often find ourselves in. Amen. Getting the revelation of this truth will cause your whole life 
and your entire perspective on that life to change. It will make passages like Micah 7, 8, well-trodden passages that we even spoke about and worshiped to tonight. Those passages will begin to read completely different to you. Let's take that in the ESV, Micah 7, 8. Look at what it says. Rejoice not over me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. You know, I've always read that passage and been like, yeah, when, you know, when I get caught in sin <laughs> and I'm sitting there in darkness and I repent, then God's going to shine his light on me and I'll get restored. Yeah, not at all. What Micah's doing here is he's actually championing the heart of every mature believer. That word sit is yasab. It's a verb meaning to sit, to dwell, to inhabit, to remain. See, as believers, we don't just sit in darkness. The darkness is what we were meant to dwell in, to live, to inhabit, to grow in our ability to remain in. Just like creation, or if you're a fan of the Dark Knight series, when Bane said, we are born in the darkness. Oh, no, no, I've been bold. You got to do it, man. I got it the right way? If you're going to do it, you got to do it. Come on. We were born in the darkness. (laughs) We were molded by it. With all joking aside, it's not only out of the darkness that God's signature, it is only out of the darkness that God's signature of his creative power can come about and be seen in all creation. This is how he operates. As, as an engineer, when I think about this, we don't have one guy who's sitting in some, you know, the ninth floor that just signs off of, on their, all the engineering drawings. We have multiple people that sign off on these things. God doesn't need anybody else to sign off on his work. He can look in the midst of darkness. He can look at the nothingness and say, yep, pull out my spiritual pen and sign off on this because when I do it, everybody's going to know that I did it. That's the character of our father. That's the character of our God. And Micah actually goes so far to say, when I sit, when I dwell, when I inhabit, even in the times when I am remaining in the dark nothingness, what's going to happen? God himself will be a light to me. Guys, turn with us to John chapter 1. John chapter 1 and verse 3. This is the only passage tonight, I believe, that is going to be in the NIV. John 1, 3 in the NIV says, Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. That's right. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Nothing that you can see, nothing that you can touch, nothing that you can partake of was made without God's signature in his breath bringing life right out of nothing. My friends, this is what it means to build on the foundation that Christ has already laid. What stands in the end are the events that were made by him or through him. Eternal things bear his signature that says without him, nothing has been made. And nothing outside of his signature will stand and nothing outside of his signature will last. It will be burned with no evidence of those activities ever to be found again. We value all kinds of things in our life. But, church, we are learning to value only the things that God is signing his signature to. Only the things that, if, we, if it wasn't for God, if it wasn't for his speech, if it wasn't for his breath in the situation that we're in, then nothing would change and nothing would be birthed or formed. 
God's signature is that he always creates something out of nothing. And he wants to use you to do it. But so many times the things that we're doing are the greatest enemies to the great works that we could be doing. What God actually prepared in advance for us to do. We're going to turn to Luke 18 together. We're going to take Luke 18 as an example of what we're talking about. And we're going to walk through this passage together. You guys making your way to Luke chapter 18? We're going to pick up in verse 18. It says this, And a ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, when we were engaging with this and studying, Elsie, we have a question to ask you guys. Is inheriting eternal life a one-time occurrence? No. Not even close. Yeah, but we look at this passage that way, don't we? Yeah. It's like, just give me the answer, and I'll just do that, and I'm done. Have you inherited eternal life yet? Or are you still working out your salvation with fear and trembling, like Philippians 2 says? Yeah. See, this ruler and everybody else who's listening to this conversation between this rich young ruler and Jesus, is really, Jesus is, he's asking Jesus about a lifestyle choice. In other words, what kind of life must I live in order to inherit eternal life? Not a marriage badge. What lifestyle must I engage in to inherit what you were talking about? Okay, you guys got the beginning of the story? Let's move on to verse 19. And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. It's because it's only his signature that I can accomplish anything. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, all these I have kept from my youth. Wow. Engage with this with us for a second. This ruler's response was exactly was the exact same as we have most of the time. Engage with us. Don't commit adultery? Yeah, I haven't done that. Don't murder? That's no problem. I haven't murdered. Don't steal? Well, I have in the past, but I haven't stolen for quite a while. Don't bear false witness. Ooh, yeah, he actually knew what bearing false witness meant. I haven't ever had to testify in a courtroom against anyone. So I'm good on that. Honor your father and mother. Well, I, I didn't do very well with that growing up, but I'm honoring enough at this stage of life, right? I'm good. He's in, in, encountering and interacting with all, all these things that Jesus has articulated to him, and he's got to be thinking, I'm pretty good right now. I've been doing all right, especially lately. I've been doing pretty well. You know, in fact, I can do these things within my own strength and my own ability. I got it. I just got to try a little bit harder, and I can do this myself. Except there was something else required to inherit a lifestyle of eternal life. That's verse 22. Check this out. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack. Could you imagine hearing that? Like, you just went from, yeah, I'm good. I did, I, I've been doing this since my youth. I'm doing pretty well. And then Jesus says, one thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Well, if I was a rich young ruler, truthfully, yeah. I was fine with the first few items. In fact, most of them had to do with things that I'm not supposed to be doing. 
And all of them, I can do in my own strength. I just have to try hard enough. Don't murder, don't steal. Not very hard. But at this point, I'm sure the young ruler is thinking to himself, oh, no. I can do those other things. But what you're asking me for, Jesus, what you're saying to me right now and I'm engaging with, that will be impossible for me to do. To sell everything that I have, to distribute it to the poor, that is impossible. That will feel like nothing. It will feel like plunging my life into darkness, right? You guys engage with that. He's looking at Jesus, and Jesus is looking at him saying, hey, sell everything you have. And his heart sinks because to him, that is nothingness. To him, that is darkness. To him, that is absolutely impossible. But check verse 23 out. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, looking at him with sadness, said, How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Wow. So the impossible situations in your life, you know by now that those impossible situations are the very situations that provide the opportunity for God to stamp his signature onto your life. Tonight, we're acknowledging that we're kind of like this rich young ruler. Actually, a lot like this rich young ruler in a bunch of different ways. The deeds prepared in advance for us can and will be difficult. But the impossibility is what we were born again in order to do and accomplish. And it's the very reason that we are perpetually born again. We're talking about perpetually born again and again and again. Because when we see these impossible situations, we need to be born again again so that we can accomplish them in God's strength. This is how we continually inherit eternal life. Check verse 25 out. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he said, what is impossible with men is possible with God. Amen. Man, when I read this, honestly, when I read this, I was shocked when I reflected on my own life. And how many times I said that, that right there, Pastor Nick, that is impossible. Now, I'm not going to be very generic. I'm going, to give you, I'm going to give you an example. And I want every single in this church to hear me when I say this. Before I met my incredible, beautiful, extraordinary wife, do you want to know what I was not doing? Looking for a wife. I was working on daily seeking the face of the Lord. Daily giving myself in, in sacrificial actions to discipleship and for this body. So think about this. I'm engaging in that. So how in the world was I ever going to discover the wife that God had for me? Can you say that I was starting to think and feel and dredge that this was impossible for me to find a wife? I'm while, not even trying to search for her, Lord. I'm not Lord. even searching. How's this going to happen? How is this going to happen while I'm doing the things that I'm doing, Lord? And yet, somebody say yet. Yeah. What was impossible for Abimbola was absolutely possible for the Lord. Wasn't, wasn't even hard for him. And I stand here today, married with one daughter and another one on the way, as a living testimony 
that the Lord loves to sign his signature in the midst of nothingness, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of what we feel is impossible. He signs off on and says, hey, let's ride. Come on, guys. We absolutely get to celebrate Abimbola, and we get to celebrate your testimonies that are just like that. We get to do it right now, which is amazing. But I want you to put yourself in Abimbola's shoes during the time that he's talking about for a second. Like, put yourself right there. You're single. You're in the nothingness. You're walking around in the darkness. You're tripping over yourself all the time. I mean, put yourself in that situation. A lot of you guys don't have to imagine it very much. Many more are there that didn't say so. (laughs) Then think about the dread. The dread that you might feel. The dread that Abimbola felt before God revealed Jess to him. Before he actually had the wife and the family that he has now. Guys, if, if you don't know, I'm going to tell a, a quick story from my own life that happened this week and the past 15 months. If you don't know, I got in a couple wrecks last year very, very close to one another. Like within five days. I rear-ended two different people within five days. Well, that was a huge process to try to figure out because one of them, I was driving in a customer's car, and that wasn't very good. So complicated things. We worked through that whole thing. I mean, I could give you numbers, but they were astronomical, and you know that, about what I personally owed to this person who was driving a Lexus that I ran into that happened to be uh, an older woman and that had all the medical bills and everything that you can imagine. And I remember that whole process and the dread that I felt through it. I had little encouragements along the way, like the second wreck, it just kind of went away. It was amazing. Like it it was opened and then my insurance closed it and I was like, praise God. But that other one, man, that was a process. We're talking months and months of going through that process together. And I felt dread. Like how in the world is God going to do something and deliver this situation out of complete nothing and darkness. And he did it. And it was amazing. He brought the funds that were needed. He brought the situations that were needed. Everything worked out. And I'm praising God. And then Tuesday happens. Like this Tuesday. And I get a notification on my phone that that second wreck that I thought that went away, it really didn't go away. No, it actually got reopened. And so what am I feeling in that moment? What is my temptation? Dread. I'm dreading it because I remembered what happened the first time. All the months that it took, I remember dragging my brothers through the situation with me. I remember all of that. And what wants to come on me is a feeling of dread. I'm thinking, man, I can't possibly do this. It's impossible. But then we're reading Proverbs 10 together earlier this week. Come on, check this out. Proverbs 10, 24 in the ESV says, what the wicked dreads will come upon him, but the desire of the righteous will be granted. LCM, I want to make, we want to make an announcement tonight. We are going to go from dreading the impossible to desiring the impossible. See, this is how we entered the kingdom of God. It is through this very process. And it is how the signature of our good father will be stamped upon our very lives. We must learn how to say, Lord, give me the situations that I cannot 
possibly accomplish in my own strength. This is honestly what it means, means to be living in the inheritance, living in the inheritance of the kingdom of God that leads to eternal life. Yeah, Keith and Floor, I'm going to call your names right now. Yeah. You ready? Let dread die in your life right now. Like, just, just stomp it out. Let it die right now. No dread about your, the upcoming blessing of a new life in your household, brother. The situation might look impossible, and I know how you feel. I know what you're feeling. But the righteous desire that you and your godly wife have for the Lord to use you for his impossibilities, this desire will be granted to you, and it will be a blessing in the end. Ibrahim and Eve, let dread die in your life about the physical health of your brain. This has been a glorious season of darkness and seemingly nothingness. But we proclaim over you tonight, yeah. what is impossible for man is absolutely certainly possible for the living God. You guys were created to live and walk through seasons like this to become a testimony to others. And your righteousness and desire for shalom to flow out of your home will be stamped and signified by God himself. Oh, church, can you feel that transition that's happening? Can you feel the transition? You felt the dread before, but can you feel the transition to a desire to being in these situations? Yes. If you, while we were talking earlier, giving our personal examples, talking to Keith and Floor, talking to Ibrahim and Eve, if you yourself were thinking about situations in your life that you're in right now or that are coming in the next days and weeks, and you have a temptation to feel dread about them, or you're already drowning in it right now, stand to your feet with us. Come on, Come on respond now. Stand to your feet. We want you to know tonight that you having the ability to identify this dread in the nothingness, in the darkness that you feel is a step forward in maturity in Christ. What you're doing right now to identify and say, I'm not going to do that anymore. This is stepping forward and this is what perfection and on that road to perfection looks like in your life. What we're going to do right now, we are going to stand, we are going to pray, and we're going to ask the Lord for transformation from dread into direction from him. Father, thank you. Thank you, mighty God, for these situations in our lives, Lord. We respond to you now, mighty King. We thank you for opening up our eyes, Lord, that the dread that we feel does not belong inside of our minds and our hearts, Lord. We're casting it down. We're stomping it out right now in Jesus' name. We are praying, Lord God, that a desire for your righteous power in the midst of darkness would arise in this room. Lord, let your strength be seen in the midst of our weakness, Lord. Let your light be seen in the midst of our darkness, mighty God. Lord, let us live a life that is worthy, Lord God, of the strength and power that you bestow upon your saints. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Come on, church, you should feel pride in what you just did before the Lord and before his saints. Inheriting eternal life has always looked like impossible situation after impossible situation in a believer's life. It's always been this way for the people of God, and it always will be this way. You know, Genesis 18, if you look at Genesis 18, 
and the impossibility of Abraham and Sarah having this promised child. But the Lord replied to them with the question, is anything too hard for the Lord? And of course, the answer was no. Nothing is too hard for our God. Take Ezekiel 37. When you look at it, the valley of dry bones, an army full of dry bones. In fact, very dry. Seemingly abandoned before God, except the fact that God signed his name on it, and those dry bones were resurrected from death to life. Think about Daniel chapter 7 for a moment. Guys, do you realize that it is not until the saints are being defeated by the little horn? Not opposed, no, actually being defeated by the little horn. That moment is when God signs his name to the situation. He signs his name to that darkness and that desolation and salvation comes and they get the victory together. In John 11, with the story of Lazarus, Jesus was directed by his father to wait four days to get to to Lazarus. And his body, Lazarus' body, was literally decaying by that fourth day. But you know what he did? He brought him back to life. See, in that kind of situation, if it was one day and then Jesus did it, oh, well, well, you know, what happens when you die? All these excuses. Four days to make sure that nobody could say, yeah, I know that this is possible. It was an impossible situation that Jesus stepped into. And honestly, we don't really know whose situation was more impossible. Either Lazarus, who was raised from the dead, or Jesus having to do the resurrection from the dead. Think about Revelation 13. The beast is blaspheming God. This is in the future. The beast is blaspheming God. He's slandering his name. He's slandering his dwelling place. Oh, and he's also making war against the saints at this time, and he's conquering them until the Ancient of Days shows up and gets the victory. Don't even make us go back to 2 Corinthians 1. Our pastors have surveyed and taught us very well. But when you think about it, Paul and his brothers, those men of God, were under great pressure, far beyond their ability to endure. They wanted to die. Can you say that that was dreading the impossible? But thanks be to God because they did not stay there. No, that happened so that God's signature would be stamped over these men's lives, and only he would get the credit for bringing life right out of nothing. What can we possibly learn from this overwhelming testimony of the scripture in the past, in the present, and in the future to come. Uh, We learn God's victories are always signed in the dark. It doesn't matter if the season, if the season is the dark nothingness of barrenness, the dark nothingness of drought, or defeat, or death, or decay, or falling, and it feeling very real that you can't get up. Or great pressure that feels like it's going to crush you. God looks at that same nothingness and he says, this is how I work right here. This is my jam. This is what I do. I work right here in this spot. Amen. In the dark nothingness of any or all seasons of your life, you can be absolutely certain that this is the only way that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob works. See, the signature of God will be stamped over our lives as we work, walk through darkness. God will sign his name to the impossibilities and the miracles that come out of that darkness because only he can make something come out of that nothingness. This is Genesis 1, and as we serve the entire canon of Scripture, this is the character of our king. You see, God is changing 
our hearts. He is transforming our minds. He is changing the way that we see situations, the way that we see difficulties, the way that we see nothingness and barrenness. We're coming to a conclusion tonight that being faced with the impossible, it is truly an honor. It is truly a joy. It is truly a delight, and it is our testimony. That's right. I might feel like I am in hell today, but resurrection power is on the way. Check out Psalm 23. A man named David illustrated this for us beautifully. In verse 1 in ESV, he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. See, King David was a man who had reigned, who had reigned upon him from the Father many times again and again and again. And he opens up in Psalm 23, the shepherding psalm, with that exact testimony. And that is fantastic because this is exactly what we need to hear. And his testimony continues in verse 4, and it does something to benefit us here tonight. Yeah, a lot of times we look at the first three verses and, hey, that's the end of David's testimony. No, no, no. His testimony continues in verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That doesn't sound like a quick trip to me, does it? I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Man, look at David's desire right here. In fact, David's desire for the impossible trumped his own dread of the impossible. No, he's celebrating it. He's glorifying it in Psalm 23. He's saying, I will not fear. He's saying, you are with me, mighty God. And he's saying, my comfort is going to be your rod and your staff in my life. The direction and will that I hear from your voice along the way. Check out verse 5. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. All right, church, who prepared the table for David in the presence of his enemy? The Lord. The Lord did. See, even while being led by the Lord into the presence of his enemies or your enemies, you will remember, LCM, that our God is a God who creates something out of nothing. He's the one that takes darkness and makes it light. He's the one that takes death and brings resurrection life to it. See, you and I, together as a family, we will be the ones who stand upon this infallible truth that will outlast all dread, all feeling of despair, because this is what our God does, and this is how he's created us to be. Now, as you're reading this, you may feel like David here in the presence of your enemies or a a situation where you feel trapped, uh, trapped set by your enemies. You might feel like you're in absolute, absolute hell today. But the honest truth is, church, God's resurrection power is on the way. Check out verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Man, that is not just a statement of faith. That is a statement of a man who has gone through this cycle many, many, many times. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's right. David says, God, you are always good. God, you are always a merciful God. And it's only a matter of time before that goodness and that mercy catch up to my situation and overtake my situation. The joy and delight of the entire process. Life to death to life and back into death all over again. The whole process exists so that we can accomplish what we're created to do to bring glory to his name. 
Check out 2 Corinthians 4 in light of this, picking up in verse 6. It says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Even in the nothingness, we have the light, LCM. We have the knowledge of the glory of the living God. Knowing his will is the lamp that we need. It's all that we need. Even more than you having his light in the midst of darkness, in the nothingness, is to know that you were formed, designed, created by your king in a way that you yourself are the light in the darkness. Verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Church, the display of your life, you as a jar of clay walking through the valley of the shadow of death and darkness. This is the very testimony that you were always destined for. Through the impossible, only he can and will get the glory from those miraculous events in your life. Verse 8, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus might also be manifested in our bodies. For we, somebody say we, we. Who, are, who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Church, through afflictions, persecutions, difficulties, stumblings, your God will sign his name to the impossibilities and the miracles that come out of that darkness because only he can make something come out of that nothingness. See, Jesus did this. He set the perfect example for us. And LCM, so can you. In fact, our great King Jesus lives right now to intercede for us as we seek the Father's strength for his will and the miraculous testimony that he wants to receive through our obedience to complete it. You guys ready for our final passage of the night? This is going to be Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. Everybody turn with us there. Hebrews 12, 2 in the ESV. Oh, yeah. Somebody say signature when you get there. Signature. It says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That's right. Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, is sitting at the right hand, living to intercede for us as we seek the Father's strength and his will. He's doing that right now. His power is being made manifest in the heavens and on the earth. Guys, if you remember your testimony, you got to remember something. The faith that you have today was deposited in you when there was absolutely nothing in you. Nothing inside. You had no faith. You had nothing of your own. And it wasn't even possible for him to sign his signature on your life. But guess what? He did it at the beginning. He signed his name to your life. And that began your testimony. 
Church, what you did tonight standing is another testimony of God saying, there's nothing there. There's even dread when there shouldn't be. But he is signing his name to your testimony saying, I am turning that dread into desire and I'm doing it tonight. Amen. Stand together with us, church. Church, if the founder, the founder of our faith did something like that for us at the beginning, you have to know from Hebrews 12 too, he's not just the founder. He is also the perfecter. The perfecter, the one who will cause your faith to grow. The one who will cause your faith to rise upward in the impossible nothingness that you stand in. Rise upward in that season. Of darkness. Jesus himself joyfully rose to the challenge of the impossibility. He did it in each of his life situations. It culminated at the cross. But think about even the cross that we celebrate and we should. But think about the three days after that cross. What was happening? Jesus himself was in the valley of the shadow of death. There was darkness. There was nothingness. But the same man that spent days in darkness and nothingness after his crucifixion, he impossibly rose from the grave after that time. And his God signed his signature on that testimony. Yeah, that same man, he's the one that is going to help you and I to rise to the challenges of our current and our future impossibilities. God is going to sign his signature to every impossible situation that he leads us into. Church, raise your hand with us. We've had time at the altar together. We've had time maturing together, looking at each and every situation that we feel dread about in our current situation and in the future. And now it is time to acknowledge that he is transforming that dread into a delight. Now is the time to proclaim your delight for the impossibility to proclaim your delight for the dark things that are impossible in your life right now that you know that God is going to sign his name to. Father, thank you. Thank you, mighty God. We delight in impossibility. We delight in the difficulty. We delight in the trips coming our way, Lord. We delight in the difficulties in relationships, Lord. We delight, Lord God, in the difficulties of raising our children, the difficulties of ministry and beyond. Lord, we delight in them. We cannot wait to see your testimony come forth and the way that you sign your signature on our lives. 